Dude, I, so I, re- I was looking through some of our old thumbnails on our videos that we've recorded for our podcast and mm-hmm. realized that every Friday or almost every, well, I guess we only record on Fridays, but I wear this shirt like every time. It's just my what Friday shirt. Say? It says, it's just a shirt that says 49th State Brewing. It's a shirt that I got in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. I, I, have I talked about this before? I don't know. Maybe, but I, I wear, it's just my Friday shirt. I like it. I like the way it fits. I love, I like the color. It's just for people who can't see us. What color is this? Maroon? It's, like a, it's not really maroon. It's like a really faded. It's like burnt. Like a, burnt it's like burnt. a gray. It's like a very gray maroon. Mm. Orangey. Yeah. But no. I did like I did like the I did like the brewery in Anchorage. It was really nice. But yeah, I did I did take my comfy off because it was getting a little hot. <laughs> um actually during the in the middle of the last episode, hopefully I cut that I cut it to where you can't tell, but my disk space on my computer just said I didn't have enough. So then OBS was like, hey, we can't record anymore. You I don't have enough disk space. So I deleted everything in my recycling bin. So hopefully hopefully there's enough disk space to go through this entire episode. But when we move into our new house. We, both I, of us, we're going. No, yeah, not me and Cody. No, no, me and, me and <laughs> Lauren and me. It's going to be great, I, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> I want to upgrade my PC and put like a 20 terabyte hard drive in there. Um, but not just one, two. Two. Before all you math wizards out there, that's 40 terabytes get out of video <laughs> and podcast recording well welcome back again to the ever bros podcast welcome. um we are on episode 15 which is something that i've struggled with in the past and still kind of do sometimes but cody doesn't and um, 15 the number 15 yeah is that what you struggle with no i struggle with the title of this episode which is don't oh. fear your competition oh sorry i jumped in too soon oh i'm <laughs> or, back out or it's it's um, probably going to be named something differently when I actually upload it to uh, Anchor. But for right now, it's just don't fear your competition. And That's good. yeah, and I think the biggest reason is because one, you're going to have competition in any niche, any niche you go into. It doesn't matter how granular that is. You're you're gonna have a competition in there, and it might even it might not even be niche specific. It might just be like you know, a general company that people in your niche go to, you know, a big company like marketing 360 or, or town square media technically are competitors, uh, because there's a lot of people in our industry that they use them, but they're not super niche unless you count marketing 360s like landscape division, which I just, I don't put a lot of stock into. Hopefully they're not listening to this. And if they are, I don't care. But, uh, I think the biggest thing for me was I have I have written down if you focus on what your competition is doing, you'll dig yourself an emotional hole. And this is what I do at 1 a.m. when I'm laying in bed scrolling through Facebook. Sometimes I'll go to my competition. <laughs> sometimes I go to what I consider my competition's um, Facebook page or their website and just see what they're doing, what they're up to. And if you listen to the last episode, they're kind of like the same thing. Like they just brag about how big they are or their new office space or you know whatever. And a lot of the stuff they put out there, I like visually. I think it's visually appealing. Cody, I don't think you do. Mm, I don't even know. Like, I don't pay attention. <laughs> I no, you're the one who has to tell me. I have no idea what's going yeah, on. Yeah, Cody doesn't look at it at all. But I always kind of compare myself to like what they're doing just on, you know, a very surface level, just based off of what I can see. And they do things like, hey, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should go to these trade shows. Maybe we should have all this. But at the same time, I kind of have to take a step back and, and realize, hey, we're growing at the rate that we want to grow. And we did that while not copying anything they're doing. But I, I feel like I can roll right into the next one, which is just basically like if you focus on your competition subconsciously, you're going to copy them. 
and it doesn't matter what they're doing, you're, you're going to end up copying something that they do and you will never be better than a copy. You will just be a replication of what they are and maybe you'll pick up the scraps they leave behind. And that is not a way to succeed in business. It might be a way to like freelance continually, mm-hmm. but there's got to be something that sets you apart from them that isn't, you know, them. And I think it's a lot of it is just kind of our technicality, like where we're actually marketers and are very data driven people, but are also very real with clients and we don't try to upsell them. Yeah. Well, you said, you said that part about what was it, differ- differentiating. I can't remember the exact word you just said. I yeah, out, setting yourself but... apart. Yeah. I mean, for that reason, I wrote down, I don't believe in competition. I really don't. Um, I think in a lot of, well, like, it's easy to say that in our case, if, if we were Apple, we could be like, okay, Dell is a competitor and pretty close to a direct competitor as far as desktop PCs go, because people might compare between the two, but there's also differentiating factors between those two companies and who would buy and why they would buy. And for that reason, they have some overlap, but I wouldn't even say that they're direct competitors. And for that reason, I don't often see or think of people as competing with us because we do, we have different approaches, we have different priorities. And for that, like if, if someone says, this is what I'm thinking, this is what's important to me. And if that's not our specialty, then it's easy to say, okay, well, you're not going to be happy with us. And you would probably be better off um, over there. Yeah, if somebody and, was like, I don't like your approach to how you structure your packages. I'd be like, okay, piss off. Like, <laughs> this is how we structure things and they work for our clients. And if that's not your if that's not your gig, great. And and to your Apple point too, like, yeah, Dell's a pet competitor of their PC space. But then you have to also realize that Net, or, um, Apple competes with Netflix in the TV space. Apple mm-hmm. competes with Spotify in the music space. Um, Apple competes with Google in the search space. I guess, is, is Safari Apple owned or is it just Apple? I can't remember. Yeah, I'm not sure. But that's awful. We're our marketers and we can't even tell you that. <laughs> that's because nobody needs to know. Yeah, I was going to say nobody uses Safari, but they do uh, yeah, they, for Apple I, devices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, th- there are going to be differentiators that separate you from your competition. And if there aren't, then you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking about, um, I think it was last episode, I got punchier than I usually get. And I usually let you pull, like throw the punches because I think it's more fun and entertaining. Um, so I, I want to like try to redeem myself a little bit. I so You think I'm uh, a wild card. <laughs> I think it's fun. I think it's a lot more fun. Um, I, again, I don't know what competition really is, but I know I, I know when I don't want to ruffle feathers uh, and make enemies when i don't need to and so like i had mentioned spinny tech was a place i used to work at and they do a lot broader uh services in a lot of ways than us but there is some overlap i guess with local lead generation and uh i once had someone reach out to me saying you know do you have a no compete how long does it last that sort of thing and trying to figure out if um they could work with us and i i just straight up said i was like hey i don't want to piss off mark he's a good guy i like him i bug him with questions still so i i'm not interested in anything that's going to um hurt that relationship so yeah just making that clear if you're thinking of anything even remotely close to throwing a wrench in that uh, i'm absolutely not interested so thanks but no thanks um and it's because you know you can have that's a little different because there's also mentorship involved but you can still have friendly competition and when people aren't good matches or good fits then you can send them the other way and then when it happens in return 
or when the, it's the opposite, then it can happen in return. Like, don't expect it though. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't expect mm-hmm. it because you you could very much well you could very well send people to your you know quote unquote competition and then they'll never send you anything back. And that, it's like it's like giving money to family. Like you can you can loan money to your family members, but don't expect to ever get it back. Yeah, I guess it's a little bit of the high road kind of thing of okay, so maybe they don't uh think the same way or they they see you as a evil villain in their life but again i we talked about the wholesome thing last time i'm i'm wholesome if if somebody's like i don't like you i'll be like oh that's news to me i didn't know i still like you and that's okay (laughs) i like how you say you're wholesome because there are certain situations where like somebody crosses you and you're like they're dead to me oh yeah, yeah yeah no there's there's uh I'm it's called the INTJ door slam. Like I, I do will just keep kill people in my the INTJ door slam. Yeah. It's a, oh it's a legitimate thing. <laughs> basically like if, if you go past a certain point, we'll just write you off entirely uh, in our brains. And yeah, there's, there's definitely lines that I will do that, but you got to do something pretty terrible. So, and I mean, you or you could just be a mechanic that kind of just tries to stiff you. Yeah, no, that's fair. So, you know, actually but, I had that happen once. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm referencing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where Jenny was like, "Oh, you don't understand." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell that story. It's funny. So I, like it. I, I called. Okay, I had a crappy car. It was really crappy. I just wrote about it. If you go to my website, there's a blog post where I have a picture of it. Um, and her name was Linda, and she's a really crappy Buick, like really crappy. But it ran, and it. I was paying off debt. I was living, you know, responsibly. So it needed some work, and I called the auto shop. And I never physically, I never saw anybody. So they didn't know what I looked like. And all, the, all they had to judge me on was my car. So dropped it off. And I think one day went by, two days went by. They were taking a long time and I was without a car. And I remember checking in and th- ultimately came to out. They weren't prioritizing me <laughs> because I had a crappy car and they didn't think that, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know exactly what they thought, but I could gather that they had made assumptions like- to me. They're probably like, whatever we diagnose with this car, he's not going to have the money to fix it anyways. Yep, that's probably it. So anyway, I walk in and I talk to, I wanna, I think maybe somebody important there. And I say, hey, I'm here for this car. And you could tell that they were confused and that they had maybe made a mistake and that they were putting two and two together. They told me the number, you know, I paid it. And it wasn't an issue. And then this, this was a recommendation from... My girlfriend and then she was talking to the person who had recommended it saying basically receiving like oh sorry that happened it won't happen again and she just said oh yeah it it won't happen again because he just won't go there again <laughs> yeah she's like you realize there is like there, there isn't a second chance with cody like you messed up it's over yeah yeah and which is a dangerous uh, game if you do business with cody <laughs> i mean i guess it would be i would be open if somebody wanted to be like hey look uh we majorly messed up and stuff and we're very sorry i don't know potentially but also i don't know i don't know because they took a calculated risk that's what that was if you judge someone by their car and you make assumptions then yeah that's what you did and then you lost and that's why it was calculated because it statistically was unlikely to happen (laughs) but i don't know if i want to work with people who are making those types of calculated risks yeah, in other words, they can go it. eat a bag of dicks with their dick-eating gloves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll let you say it. <laughs> <laughs> this It's a good point. Good thing to point out this, too. Like, some people don't like your competition. And, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody is going to love everybody out there. 
there there are enough uh fish out there for everyone which is a point I'll, I'll get to as well but some people just like they don't want to do it through competition they don't like the way that they conduct themselves they don't like their packages like i mentioned maybe they're too pricey um there's a reason why people come to you i mean people who come to you are also seeking out other competition even if you go against what we suggested in our previous episode on how to find current or how to find clients and you cold call or cold email sorry i had to burp um but if you cold call or cold email and you do get on the phone and you do make some appointments, they're not just going to sit there and sign with you right now if you don't make them. They're gonna also going to go out there and look at other agencies as well who are in your space. And there might be things that they don't like about that other agency. I said I saw, also said recently or in another episode too, like a lot of our clients like the fact that we're small. They don't mm-hmm. like dealing with big agencies or an agency where all the work is going to get passed off to a lower tier person who doesn't really know what they're doing or their account isn't overseen by someone who's more senior like myself or like Cody. There's other situations too where the way that your competition sells is, you know, shifty. They they the client hears that your competition is willing to do anything that they ask and they don't like to hear that. They like to hear pushback from from myself of saying, "We can do that, but we advise not doing that. We advise doing this or no, we don't do that. We're not going to do that for you because it's not profitable." Mm-hmm. And a lot of people respect that. So there's just there are ways to set yourself apart from the competition. And sometimes it's doing nothing. Sometimes it's just letting people not like your competition. There's going to be a bunch of people who love your competition. And there's going to be a bunch of people who hate them or would just rather deal with you. And there's plenty of, of fish out there for you to catch. Yeah, I def- I get really weirded out when people don't have a even if they don't make it publicly known but they just don't have answers for why would I be a bad fit for you? Like I need to know who you don't want or who you shouldn't work with. And it has to be a little bit more than cheap people because everybody doesn't want to work with cheap people. Right. I get that. I run a business too. We don't like working with cheap people who want a nickel and dime, but that's different from uh, like we have, we're performance driven. That's a focus for our agency. So if people want to work on large scale branding, we're not going to be as good of a fit for that as, you know. Oh, um, we're not going to be a fit at all. Someone says we <laughs> want branding. I'm going to say, nope, not us. <laughs> yeah. So it, when I talk to a company, they don't have that. We're like, no, we're great. We we accommodate everybody. We do everything. We're awesome. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, I'm not saying it's impossible. Yeah. So what it do you possible. suck at then? Because you've got to <laughs> suck at something. You can't be great at everything. Yeah. Or like, mm, Yeah. You can be very good at lots of things, and that's a very difficult, time-consuming, hard position to get to. And I'm very skeptical that many companies are there. Mm-hmm. There's a there's the half of the saying: a jack of all trades is mm-hmm. a master of none. Of course, yep. if you finish that saying, it's it's but it's better than a master of one. Mm-hmm. Um, fine, be a master of two. But in, and if you are a jack of all trades, I mean, there is a market for you. There is somebody who wants a one-stop shop. Take Walmart, for example. They are a one-stop shop. They have literally anything you could want there, but they are not better than your local farmer's market for fresh produce. Uh, They are not better than Best Buy for technology purchases. Walmart is a jack-of-all-trades, but it is a mega monolithic business. And Mm -hmm. you can be that 
just realize that you're not going to be better than your competition in anything except for providing multiple services. So if any of your customers or clients get smart enough to say, hey, I can actually make more money or I can get better services provided to me if I segment these out to different companies. And you just have to be okay with that. You have to understand that, yes, this is not my business model to be a master at one thing. And I will lose clients as they grow, as they churn and, and want something better than us. And we have, we've had to deal with that multiple times, which is our clients outgrew us, which is great. And it sucks at the same time. One, they've been with us for years. Two, they're at a point where that what they want is something that we either can't provide or don't want to provide. And what we usually don't want to provide is a service where we just spend their money and you know it, it doesn't actually return a positive investment. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh, dude, I'm burping like crazy, chugging this Diamond Mountain Lightning, mm-hmm. living my Mountain best life over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but I am, I need to quit drinking diet soda. I feel like there is a lot in there that doesn't make me live for very long. I've been trying to do better at uh, only drinking pop when my life is going wrong. Like last <laughs> night, I, I didn't sleep enough. So that's why I had the Coke Zero today. But I knew do, like this do you isn't eat yourself. Go do you eat yourself out of depression? Uh, I stress eat for sure. I'm definitely a stress eater. Oh, I, I can't do that. I, I can't stress eat or eat when I'm sad, um, but I can drink, not like alcohol, but like I can drink a very unhealthy things. Soda. Yeah. A little bit of, a little bit of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can. Uh, um, the whiskey is great. Uh, in my background, I've got a little decanter set. Again, I don't know when we're going to get someone to actually post these videos because it's way too much work just to cut the audio. Yeah. Well, that's okay. But, yeah. They're backlogged. You'll see them eventually. If you heard them say it, so they can picture it in their heads. Yeah, there's a decanter set back there with whiskey in it. And I like that when I'm like thinking like creatively because the bitterness keeps my mind focused. I'm eventually going to replace that with zero alcohol whiskey. Plus, and, it's fancy as hell. You're just like swishing around, taking a sip, doing big brain stuff. Yeah, like, but it, <laughs> it, it keeps me creative. Whereas like when I'm stressed, I'll like, re- I'll like revert to the diet soda or like something, you know, not necessarily healthy um just because it's like uh that endorphin rush but i can't do i can't do the eating thing mm-hmm. no i do i do for sure well so it's gotten better because remember i got chunky mm-hmm. I, I got chunky now i shrunky that's what i say <laughs> now um, none of my clothes fit <laughs> um so no i'm finally i'm back to a good spot except well i told you we had family olympics so i i got I got many chunky again because I ate way too many Rice Krispies. Jenny's aunt makes just amazing Rice Krispies. And then every time, nearly every time that we meet up, like she'll make me a whole pan and I just, I crush it. I just demolish it in one day. And then I text her and I'm like, I ate it all one day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I got, I got chunky. Um, so I've been gradually replacing my like, go-tos with better go-tos. So the things that have been working are um, Walmart has these like, I don't know if there's zero cal or just really low, like five cal, 10 cal jellos. And those will work, but it's mostly been getting rid of like the especially bad things. So I was a sucker for chocolate milk and I've gotten rid of that one most recently. That was a hard one. Before that, mm-hmm. the first one that I milk in general is not good for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. it's great source of calcium, but you can get that from elsewhere. But it's just packed full of calories, yeah. unnecessary calories. Yeah. And I get like a, oh, it was a pint, you know, just like the the big, it was a habit from lifting, you know, when I was lifting hardcore. It is a good recovery drink. It is right. it is a very good recovery drink. Mm-hmm. But it's like a thousand calories or something when you drink the whole <laughs> thing. So 
Um, yeah, I think a cup a cup of milk, one mm-hmm. cup is like 200 calories or something. It's insane. It's like in in to put that into perspective, like a glass of milk is like three cups. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So getting rid of that one was hard. Uh, the first one was the Hostess powdered sugar donuts. That was hard, but they're just death. They really are. You have no excuse to eat them. I it was that was purely stress eating. I'm like, mm, what can I do that's going to make me die faster? I'm going to eat these. One <laughs> percent um, <laughs> oh, uh, milk. One cup is 103 calories. Mm. So so if you so if you have like a full glass, like a tall glass, like a tall American glass, that's as much as eating like a peanut butter sandwich. So if you have those together, like you're already like almost a thousand calories in there. Mm. And I would do that. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're on a if you're on a 2000 calorie diet, which is like the American, you know, daily average, which is technically too much for like a healthy person, like a healthy person is like their base metabolic rate is like 1800. So, yeah, if you're eating 2000 that I mean, you have a glass, a tall glass of chocolate milk and a sandwich, a peanut butter sandwich, and you're at half of the food, half of the entire calories supposed to eat for the entire day. You know, the funny thing is I used to hear people talk about these things on podcasts and stuff. And I'd be like, "Eh, these fatties, like who cares about (laughs) this? This is so boring. Why? Like I'll never have to deal with this. And then it was like hit 30, got fat. Like what? No, I'm I'm talking about this now. When we recorded our very first episode, Hmm. I was 30 pounds heavier. Yeah, I was probably. Well, we recorded we re-recorded our first episode like in May, mm-hmm. but like when we first recorded it in February, yeah, I was two oh seven or two oh five, yeah. and I'm you've dropped down a lot more than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's I impressive. worked out a lot harder than you though. <laughs> Hurtful. No, <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but it's true. Like, <laughs> I, think no, I, I know you should you should come to the gym to meet with me sometime when you're in Minnesota, and I will destroy you. I believe you will. I believe it. <laughs> do a leg day. Well, I do, um... the weird one is recently the all the wrist stuff because I've been doing the PT. So I'm getting like strong forearms and that just looks funny. But it's nice because now my wrists don't hurt as much. But it's like a strange aesthetic. Wait, what are work. you doing to a wrist workouts? Because okay. my wrists my wrist look scrawny and I want to bulk them up. I yeah, want to be yeah, vascular. Yeah. Okay, so here's I, this is my homework when I'm not at PT. There's, um, I have to do a, like, it's a hammer twist thing. So I hold the hammer. Which camera are you showing? Uh, oh, I can only see you anything. on. I'll just, oh. I'll just picture it. Like, okay. You hold a hammer, like in a fist and you rest your arm and you have to do a tilt. So it goes a full 180. So you tilt it left and then you tilt it right. So you're just controlling it. Like That's this? one of them. The hammer and you have like, and you do this? No, no, no. So, uh, other way, like rotate. This? Nope, nope. Nope, like a spin. Oh, like this. Yeah, like a doorknob. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, that's one. Um, I have some elastic bands that I have to do where it's just like you're... Imagine that you're revving a motorcycle. Okay. So you do that like with your palm facing up and down. Um, But the big one for me, the hardest one that they're working on is the up motion because or when my, my palm's facing down and I'm pulling it up because I've spent all these years typing and just never using those top muscles. Because you just hold it there and you're not using them. So um, I learned there's a muscle there that I didn't even know was there. And it's kind of getting bigger and it looks funny. <laughs> Did you ever do, have you ever done the one where you have like the, the, like the dowel rod, but you hold on each side and there's a string in the middle that goes down and ties to like a 15 pound weight. And you just like rotate it and you get the weight all the way to the top. And no. When, you, when it's all that, and you just like, and you go backwards to let it down and then um. you, and you wind it back up to bring it back up. I, I do that. have one like that, though. 
I did that in high school, like my freshman year, because they they actually had that device. I mean, it's not a hard device to make, but that like burned my forearms. And I wish I would have stayed up on it because like there's two things that I want really big. <laughs> my forearms and my calves. <laughs> That's not where we thought it was going. But... <laughs> I just I just did you a bamboozle. <laughs> Um, yeah, but so I actually, I bought some things on Amazon recently because, um, a lot of people get the, the grip strength. So they'll do like stress balls or things like that, but it doesn't help with the reverse where you're you're stretching your fingers in the opposite direction. So you're like expanding. Right. Um, so I, I got some things to, to do that as well, but I just, my big thing will be when I'm, when I'm done and I graduate from physical therapy, I don't know how that works, but just say, get out of here you're done now um that i don't end up as potato wrists again and that they actually stay strong because i've been able to not sleep in splints now um Mm. and it's been probably like two years since i've not been sleeping in splints it's very cool and i can work longer now i need to keep like that tool a dowel rod rope tool next to my desk so like between things i can just like sit down and do it yeah um because i will never incorporate that into my actual gym routine no yeah no there's it's like really stupid like it's a stupid mm-hmm. thing to to work out so i think it's good to just have at your desk i thought about um just the things i bought on amazon to to do these exercises i'm just gonna have them sit at my desk and that way when i need a break i'll just start doing them you know you know you see like i don't know i don't know if it's in movies or if it's just in like tv clips where it's a boss doing like the the grip strength thing um mm. you know it's just like a yeah. simple and they make the the clacky sound um Almost like that. Mm. For for those of you who thought we went on a tangent, uh, we didn't. This is very related. Because mm. if you, how can you fear your competition when you're huge? <laughs> <laughs> when you can literally physically crush them with yeah. your hands. Yeah. Oh, oh, did they steal a client from you? Smash them in the face. Just grip, squeeze. Yeah. But um, no, but seriously. Okay. So like back to this whole thing. I mean, I think we're, we're already getting to the end of it. I mean, we always say that it's going to be a shorter episode and then we didn't say for this one. And it kind of is. And the only reason why it's even longer is because we went on a, went on a workout tangent, hmm. but, hey, but really take care of your wrist people. Like if, if this is the life that you're living, don't, 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 don't just don't let, don't become a potato. Like don't get carpal tunnel. I've had major problems with this. And as the years go on for other people who previously were like, Oh, I'm fine. Everything's great. And they're like, Oh, it started to hurt. I'm like, yeah, I told you, I told you it would come for you. And you got to do the things now. You got to be ergonomic. You got to buy the stuff. You got to take care of yourself. So I don't want to hear that's it. That's the thing too, like though, is there's a lot of gurus out there selling kind of like the wealthy lifestyle of, of you know, being able to answer client calls at like a, a swim up bar in Mexico or something like that. And it's like, you can't get to that lifestyle if you don't do the not fun stuff, which is admin reporting, uh, working with clients on the actual computer. And once you can face that as a reality, then you can start actually paying attention to the other things that we're talking about, like, you know, wrist issues or getting old and not having fun because you're building a business. Uh, but I hope I do have wrist issues and I hope it's from cracking bottles of champagne on my jet. Yeah. Actually, no, that sounded really douchey. I don't want to do that. I no longer want a jet. Just do it ironically. Or like facetiously so that you can make videos that are making fun of the people that do it. Yeah. I feel like that's already a guru tactic. I feel like they're already mm-hmm. they're already kind of doing that meta fourth wall kind of thing 
Yeah, no, this reminds me, I'll say it again, it reminds me of breakthrough advertising when they talk about sophistication of markets because they're already one level ahead. We had the the first tier, which was look at me, I'm successful. And now we've hit the second tier of I'm making fun of the successful person by being fake successful. And then now we have to go to the third one. And I'm not sure how people will do that. I'm poor. (laughs) (laughs) But I would do that. I would straight up do that. I'd be like, hey, uh, here's my unsexy life. I did see one that did that actually. I um I can't remember who it was, but they're like, I don't have the flashy car, and he like he steps out from out from his like Ford Focus, and then he's like, and he's like in an Audi way. He's like, I don't have a flashy mansion. Like I live in an apartment in downtown Chicago or something. He's like, but I, what I do have is a, a successful business, and uh, you know if you're not around these guys, you you can't tell that you can't sniff it out, but I can. And so I feel like they're already taking a very creative approaches. I haven't seen much of his ads lately, so maybe it's not working yet. Maybe he's just too ahead of his time. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, it's really hard. I don't know how this one will play out because I think it, it might just never die. The I'm successful look at me because people love it. They eat it up. That's what Instagram is. Um, but I, I remember one that one that wouldn't like never be. I could never see this going badly. And it was the I think it was Ty Lopez who did it. We went to the park at like a Tuesday at 10 in the morning or something. And this whole thing was like, oh, yeah, look, I'm here, but nobody else can be here because they're at their day jobs. Like, well, yeah, people, no matter what, whether you want to be rich or not, everybody does dream of controlling their time. So I think even if you did that in a rich way or a poor way, it would be it would work well. It's well, a good Gen-, Gen Z is moving towards that because Gen Z is stopping is like not necessarily caring about money, but more caring about their quality of life and mm-hmm. their their actual time doing the things that they like. Mm-hmm. And I respect that. I think, and I think that's one of the reasons why our business model works so well is is the work anytime you want, work from home, work anywhere mm-hmm. if you want. Because you know now they can they can go to the park at, at 10 a.m. if they want to work at 10 p.m. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, it's so it's like us. We're providing this entrepreneurial, or we're providing this business, but giving people the freedom of being an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and and doing their own thing. But again, we're veering off the path of this episode topic. We're wrapping it up. Give them the wrap up. Tell them what they need to know. Hit All them right. With it. Okay. Well, I, okay. One more thing. There's enough fish out there for everybody. So. If, um, especially in our market, because we're local, what we deal with local landscaping and lawn care businesses, most of our competitors have a non-compete. So most of our competitors, if you have someone in an, in a specific area, you can't have a second client in that area. Mm. So great, we'll move in and we'll we'll compete with you with our own client in that same area. And it only becomes real a real problem when there's market saturation, and there really isn't in our industry. There really isn't saturation with realistic competition within specific mm-hmm. markets yeah. and so we're lucky in that front but i mean if you don't have a niche then there is heavy market saturation and this is why episode two was so important is pick a niche but the, even if you have three competitors and they have someone in your area there's probably 10 people in that area but there's always going to be enough to go around for everyone so i'm i'm happy when my competitors grow actually i really don't care because <laughs> because i'm just gonna go right up there with them and you know i'm gonna get the things that they're not getting and then you know they're gonna get the things that i'm not getting yeah i think the combo of market saturation and market cap are things that it's they sound like fancy words when you're not initiated and you don't quite understand what they mean or what's going on but i think it's very easily explained in real life terms when you think of pop culture and sports and then education so when you think of market saturation 
I think of sports. That's immediately what I go to. I think of like football in the U.S. In that lots of people want to be in the NFL, right? Lots. A lot, lot, lot. Lots of guys want to do it. There's no shortage of competition. It is highly competitive. And there's not a ton of room at the top. Not really. And there's not even a ton of good money to be made along the way. <laughs> um, you're not getting paid to play football in high school. And music is a very similar way too. musicians. Taylor Swift, I'm sure she makes insane amounts of money. And then there's just a lot of local people who just like to play music and don't make that much money from it. And that's you have high high, high, high saturation. You've got a lot of people gunning for the same thing with very high market caps. And that's why there are so many people interested in doing those things. Because if you make it, if you do become number one, you, you got it, you did it. What like you are who everybody wants to be. But you think back to, so I'll use Japanese more because uh, it's so involved in my life right now. The Iowa, the state of Iowa has one Japanese program. I believe it's one with the major that you can go all the way to a major in it. And that's at the University of Iowa. And I've heard there's a stigma around studying the language. One, and some of them are right. It's stupid hard. It's ridiculously difficult. But there's, I've heard it where there's this idea told to high, high school kids like, oh, what are you going to do? Move to Japan? And me, from my perspective, I'm thinking, yes, that is exactly what they're going to do and what they can do. That is what the program is made for. When you look at the saturation, it is very small. There is not a ton of people attempting to do this thing. So there's a very direct path to accomplish it. Same thing applies to, I mean, there is competition for engineers and lawyers and doctors and that sort of thing too. I'm not saying that there's not competition there. But, you know, let's talk about Japanese. There aren't a ton of people trying to do it. So there is a very direct, straightforward way to accomplish it. And I'd even potentially argue that the market cap for something like that, in relative terms, is very high. <laughs> they, Japan wants foreigners. They need them. Uh, the population shrinking. They know that they need to be, become more globalized in order to make more money. That sort of thing. So, like, I'll fight those people. I'll fight those people who say, um, what are you going to do, move to Japan? I'm like, hell yes. Yes, that's that what those exactly. Bowflex weights are for. <laughs> I'm ready to fight. But that's exactly what that's for. So when you're in business, I think it's important to think about those things and how it relates to your competition. You go in to a extremely high market cap niche or lack of a niche that has ridiculously high saturation. You're going to have a very hard time. And that's why some people, another shout out to the Tropical NBA, they had a recent one on this too, will start out with a lower cap niche, get footing. And then once they're ready to play with the big boys, go after those harder ones, those bigger ones too. It is, I think it's smart for people who are new and still learning to go after low cap, lower saturation businesses or niches, industries, because it gives you room to mess up. <laughs> you can, you can make mistakes. If the industry is underserved, the, your, your customers will be more forgiving. Your clients will be more forgiving. And Depending on what you're doing, you won't even have to have to think about your competition. You don't have to pay attention to them. You might not even know who they are. But, 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 but here, I'll say this too, though. It's there does have to be a demand. You don't get to decide. I've said it before. You don't get to decide how you make money. That would be great. I would love to do that. But it's just not the reality of how the markets work. Demand determines where the money can be made. So you have to serve an existing market. Might talk about this maybe very far into the future, but. I've talked to Jake about this. I have a product idea. This is a very early stage that I'm not. I know that there uh, is 
minor interest for it. I don't have any idea what the market cap could be. Um, it's super tiny, but I just as for fun, I'm, I'm interested in like testing it out or trying it. So we've also talked about what you think the market cap is or what you think the niche is, because what you think this is like, this is the whole thing that actually got me to convince you to move forward with it because you were thinking that it was way too niche and that it doesn't have a huge market cap. And I was like, no, it does. Mm -hmm. If you think about the product in a broader sense. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. But so as far as, man, this is going to be a long one. Uh, Let's, let's talk about products instead of services for a minute to validate the legitimacy of a product that you might be interested in selling. You can use lots of tools to see if people are looking for it. That is a demand driven approach. There are also people who are in industries who see a, a gap, something missing a product that doesn't exist. And people don't even necessarily, maybe some know that they need something like it, but nothing's ever been made. That's closer to what I'm thinking of. And it, that's a risk. And I think that's very good for small businesses if you can just bootstrap it. That's a good thing to test or try because if anything that's too small to show up on those big companies' radar, they're not going to, you know, they're thinking there's this is going to be R&D, research and development. Do I want to sink the time and money into testing this knowing that from what we can tell, there's not a huge demand for this. So, and then if you're doing education to teach people that they need this product, you're going to lose money because you will always lose money on education because market is marketing is exploiting the needs. So yeah, those are also potentially good opportunities too. Um, when you're involved enough to know that something is needed, but also know that they can just flop. <laughs> they can, you can just because you think, uh, it's needed doesn't mean everybody else is going to agree. So Yeah. I'll stop there. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Did we cover that? Did we cover that you can have good relationships with your competition? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, why don't we wrap it up? Good. How about that? All right. Cool. Um, I, I would imagine this is where most people tune out and we're like, yeah, I already heard all of it. I don't need to wrap up. Um, <laughs> let's move on. But jokes on you. You might miss some funny jokes. Just ha. kidding. You're listening to the Ever Bros podcast. There are no funny jokes. That was all we used. Um, all up. Yeah. So let's recap real quick. Okay. Recap. So the real one. Recap. You're going to have competition in any niche. So don't fear it because it's it's inevitable. It's going to be there. Uh, two, if you focus on your competition and what they're doing, you're going to dig yourself an emotional hole. You're going to be depressed. You're going to be sad about it. You're going to start to copy them. You're going to get stressy or stress drink. And depending on what you're drinking, that can be very bad. Yeah, don't do that. And you're going to start copying them. And if you start subcon- even subconsciously copying them, you're never going to be better than them uh, because you'll never be better than a copy. Or you'll never be better as a copy. Um, there is fish out there for everyone. There, there are. There's going to be people that don't pick your competition, and there's going to be people that have never heard of your competition. There's plenty of businesses out there for you to market with, or coach, or consult, or whatever it is you're doing. Some of those people don't like your competition, and they're just looking for the next solution or the different uh, approach. Maybe your business offers that. The final thing is you can have good relationship relationships with your competition. You can pass work to them. They can pass work to you. You can collaborate on things um, and avoid stepping on any toes uh if if you do not have a good relationship with your competition that's when it can hurt you more than just ignoring them so don't try to get into an argument don't try to talk negatively with them about them even got i've got that article on my website that says if you trash talk your competition it'll actually lose sales 
don't pick fights unless you've been doing wrist exercises at your desk and you know you can squash them <laughs> in one. Yes. Yes. Exclusively wrist exercises. That's it. Because what's because you have to act like a boa constrictor and you have to have enough enough muscles to to choke your opponent. This is good. I I lost the analogy a while ago. <laughs> Somewhere in the way. Yeah. No, I gotta pee really bad. So I like I'm not even thinking uh, about what I'm saying. So we're out. We're done. We did it. All right, everybody. See, if they would have tuned out early, they wouldn't have known I had to pee really bad. They would have missed that valuable information. They, and now they're better off knowing that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for next episode. See ya. Bye.